0: Welcome to the first episode of Learning Tarot Together. I'm your host, Felix Kingsley. If you've come to this podcast looking to learn more about tarot, you've come to the right place. I'm a full time social worker, part time tarot enthusiast, taking listeners and guests on a journey as I do a deep dive behind the meanings of all 78 tarot cards. To give a little background, I've toyed with tarot over the years, but I didn't really start getting sincerely into it until pretty recently. Since I very rarely get into anything casually, I found myself doing at least an hour of research per day to get to know the cards, and I thought it'd be useful to make a podcast for others to help learn along with me. The format of this podcast is going to be each episode having a deep look into one of the tarot cards or one of the suits, and we're going to be starting with the Major Arcana. However, this first episode is going to review the basics of tarot reading that you need to know in order to do your own readings. Here to join me in explaining the basics is Samantha. Hi! Hi! Hi, Samantha. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing awesome. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thank you for joining. So for the audience, can you tell us a little bit about your background with Tarot?
1: Yeah. So I also was pretty casual at first, you know, getting readings at different pop-ups or doing readings with friends. And then a funny thing called the pandemic happened. And (laughs) I needed something to occupy my mind. I'm a very curious person. And so something that i could do during that time that was safe was be with my roommate we would go out in the full moon and do these tarot readings and i just found that over the course of months like it became such an important part of my spiritual practice and i really wanted to be able to do readings without googling everything on my phone <laughs> so we me and my roommate my best friend we took courses together we you know read books We have actually written a book ourselves that is kind of in the works. Um, It's a poetry book about Tarot, and she's done the illustrations, and it's very cool. Oh
0: my gosh, it's so amazing.
1: Yeah, so it's kind of become a bit of an obsession um, and definitely super important to me.
0: I can definitely relate considering that I, I started getting really into it. I started reading about all the meanings, and then I started going through card by card and making my own guidebook. So I have like my own little journal of my interpretations. So I still right now I'm at a point where I still have to look up most cards, but at least I'm looking at my own interpretations at this point, as opposed to like Googling everything, which makes me feel a
1: little bit better. Exactly. I took I have taken pictures of all the pages in my journal and put them in an album on my phone. That's so I'm so still smart. pulling up my phone, but I'm like, it's my it's my own notes. Okay, that is it's so not smart. it's not bitty tarot. I'm leveling up in the world. <laughs>
0: So, uh, before we get started into kind of the basics of how to do tarot, I wanted to talk a little bit about the history of tarot and where it came from. So, tarot was invented in the late 14th century, and it was originally a card game, and it was based out of Italy, is what most people kind of find. And so originally, it actually, I found out only had four suits, um, which I mean, I guess it does Mm -hmm. now too, but it didn't have the major arcana initially. And apparently those were added later and usually were like privately painted for like commissions. So it was something that only like rich people had, which is really interesting. And then there was this bullshitter who was a French Freemason because, you know, Freemasons love to insert random fake history into the world. (laughs) um argued that tarot was derived from like secret knowledge from egyptians and that the church was trying to hide it from us but there's absolutely no historical basis for this but it did kind of help launch the use of tarot as a sense of divination Uh, so then there was a french occultist whose name i'm not gonna destroy um, but they released the first tarot deck uh, designed specifically for divination in 1791. And then it wasn't until 1909 that we got the Rider Waite deck, which is what most people think of as kind of the standard deck. And that was a combination of work between British occultist Arthur Waite and then artist Pamela Coleman-Smith, which I find it really interesting that it's called the Rider Waite deck and that we all think of Arthur Waite when Pamela Coleman-Smith did all the imagery on it that everyone is now making all their tarot decks based off of today, basically. Um so that I yeah, I was like, okay, just another unsurprising example of women being uh, looked over in history. But
1: yeah, so, even when people include her, it's always writer Wait Smith, you know, and it yeah. should be. I feel like Smith should be first. In I agree. Yeah,
0: because it takes. Oh my god, I can't even think about how much effort it takes to make a tarot deck. I've been wanting to make one myself. I can't. Mm-hmm. I don't have the artistic ability really to do so. But it's just like a. My eventual lifetime goal,
1: (laughs) yeah, (laughs) to make it's a big goal.
0: It is. It's a huge goal. I might have to do it as photography, but but yeah, it's so fascinating to me that this started off just as a card game that people just started applying meaning to, and then started applying more traditional and um, set meanings to. But I still find Mm -hmm. that even though I don't know about you, I don't really think of tarot as like straight up future telling I think oh it, yeah yeah so I, I'm glad that you're the same as me. <laughs> um so it's interesting to kind of think about how we've made these as ways to understand around life and how the human urge to apply meaning and ritual into the world
1: exactly it is I think that I completely agree with what you're talking about with it not being so much a tool of divination, but more I use it as like a tool of projection. It's really just like these archetypes that you will react a certain way to them. And it's in your reaction and in your own application and in your projection that you find most of the spiritual meaning. That's been my experience with it.
0: No, I agree with you. Like, that kind of gets us into our next part, which is just what is tarot? And to me, tarot is kind of just like a mirror. Like, Mm -hmm. like I said before, I'm a licensed social worker. And so I do think of things from a very mental health perspective when I'm doing tarot. Mm -hmm. But I think of it as just like a really beautiful way to clarify your thoughts and feelings based on your reactions. So it can only really reflect what you're putting into it. Which is why I sometimes have difficulty when people approach tarot as like a future telling aspect, because I don't think that you get as much out of it when you're viewing it that way. I think the questions and the way to use tarot best is when you need to clarify your thoughts or your emotions on something personally.
1: Exactly. I know a lot of my, you know, friends and family have asked for readings and especially family, can be more nervous about it because they're like, well, I don't want to get the death card or I don't want to get the devil. And I'm like, well, first of all, if you do, it's actually fine (laughs) and probably good for you. Second of all, like... It's not telling you that you're going to, like, there's this sense of it's going to tell me what's going to happen. And I think for some people who truly feel psychic and that's a part of their spiritual practice, maybe it is a tool for them to use their own psychic abilities, but it's not like the deck itself is not psychic. It's not (laughs) going to, it's going to be whatever you put into it and whatever you kind of want it to be. So I find that if you go in fearing cards or fearing outcomes, it's just not going to be the rich experience that it needs to be.
0: That really reminds me of a lot of the readings I've been doing recently. I, I've been doing a lot of readings on Tumblr, uh, uh, actually, mm-hmm. uh, because I, you know, Twitter is uh, slowly dying, quickly dying and <laughs> Tumblr are my roots. So, I've been back there and I've been doing a lot of Tumblr readings and most people on there are asking, you know, like, who's my future spouse going to be or what's their personality? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. what I find so much more useful is questions that are more like, even if you're looking for like a love reading, I find it so much more helpful of like, what do I need to do to open myself up to love? Or like, what do I, you know, more open ended questions because the future is mutable.
1: exactly
0: and what you do is going to impact it and so I even tell people I'm like I can't tell you the personality of your future spouse because I can tell you that and then you can just make a decision not to marry them like or to Mm -hmm. marry them like you know I can tell you some maybe this is the energy you're giving out and this is what you're attracting to you but that doesn't necessarily mean the same thing
1: exactly like I feel like even a better question would be what you know, inside of me is coming out as needing to know about my future spouse. Does that make sense? Like, what is making me ask this question in the first place? I think that all
0: the time.
1: Yeah, like the point of tarot for me is just internal reflection. It's not about the external situation most of the time because, you know, people can have two entirely different external situations, but they're both feeling five of onesie about it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't really tell you what's gonna, in my experience, because I don't have, you know, a super psychic relationship to spirituality. So I really just use it as not what's going to happen or am I gonna get into this program? Am I gonna get this job? Is this per- Does this person hate me? Like any question that's really super focused on the external, I feel like just misses so much of the richness of tarot, which is about the internal. So for me, questions that are good to ask decks are the more internally focused ones. You know, what am I being invited to explore right now? What, How am I feeling about this? What am I clearing out? What can I invite more of into my life? What is, you know, something that can ground me right now? Those sort of really self focused questions kind of give you the external answers that you seek anyways. Yeah. I've also found. So I, and I yeah. also
0: find that sometimes people I think feel a little too pressured to ask a specific question. And a lot of times mm-hmm. I don't really ask a question. I will kind of give a scenario or like give something that's going on in my life and just I'm looking for f- feedback from the universe basically. Like what Mm -hmm. especially when you're kind of feeling like you're missing something sometimes it can be hard to phrase a question I mean I guess you could just ask what am I missing but like um, yeah but that even that is a little maybe too close-ended like I sometimes I'll just give I have a friend who does a reading for me you know every once in a while um Rami and you can for people listening Rami does readings um I should really know their socials right now, but, um, but anyways, they do readings for me and sometimes I'll just give them kind of like open ended, like my career right now, I'm feeling unfocused. And I'm not quite sure why, like, and Mm -hmm. I just kind of need more insight into that area and where I should be putting my energies. And it's not Mm -hmm. exactly like a straightforward question. Like it's not the same as asking, you know, like, where will my career be in five years? You know, hmm. But there is that aspect of it. Um, so also kind of thinking about how to ask a tarot question, which we've been touching on. I think also, I kind of want to touch on how much information do you give the person doing a reading for you. And I think that varies wildly from practitioner to practitioner. I don't know what your opinion.
1: Mm hmm. I think for me, there are multiple sort of I don't know how to phrase this, maybe slants to each card. Um, And so, especially reversals, right? I'm like, there's a million reasons this could be reversed right now. So I kind of just say what the different reasons might be. And then I ask, like, does any of that resonate for you? Because using what immediately comes up for them and using the other cards in the spread really helps me get that context on Mm -hmm. what I really need to be talking about with this person because yeah just a card by itself I'm like well this could be a million different things and I feel like I like getting a little bit of what the person is responding to so that I can speak more into it because then I find it much easier to tie in all the cards and say and that might be why this is coming up as well and tying back into this card and it just becomes this more holistic reading. But again, I feel like that's because I have a very, you know, I have gifts of empathy and talking with people and things like that. But I don't have this psychic ability where I can just know your cat died. And that's why you're sad. So I do need to kind of ask a little bit more information normally.
0: Yeah, and I agree with you. I think a lot of people new to tarot Uh, Especially, I'm talking about people new to getting readings, not necessarily people new to giving them. But I Mm -hmm. think people have a tendency to want to give the tarot reader nothing. Like, and they're like, Mm. no, it has to all be up to the cards. And it has to be just like this mysticism. And if it's truly real, so to speak, then you'll, you'll just pull the magic cards. And the thing is, is that Again, it's not a matter of is tarot real or not? Like, do I believe that the cards are prophetic? No, I don't. But do I believe that they are a great tool or like a lens under which to view your life? Mm -hmm. Yes. So I find that in addition to shyness being a reason, because I think plenty of people don't want to give information because they're embarrassed, but I think you almost have to treat a tarot reader not like a therapist, they're not your therapist, and they shouldn't be. But like, you want to give them the information they need to be able to give you good insights. So I'm personally in the camp that more information is better when asking a question, giving some context is really helpful. Um, You don't necessarily need to spell everything out or anything, but just kind of giving a sense of what's on your mind, what are you concerned about what's going on in your life, either up front or in response to cards, because different people are going to mm-hmm. want to do readings in different ways. Some people like to have a lot of information up front. Some people like to kind of ask impressions of things or kind of get your your sense as you go along, you know. But I do think don't be afraid to give information to your tarot reader because that's what's going to help them give you the really keen insight if they're a good You know, if they're a good reader, they're going to be able to give you much more in depth and focused insight if they have the information that they need to do so.
1: Mm hmm. Because it's a situation where you could take a picture of your reading and do your own research on your own time and figure out how you relate to those cards. But in the moment, you'll be able to get so much more out of the other person if it is a dialogue I have found.
0: Yeah. And I think what you have to remember, too, is that the reader has their own perspective that they're going to be bringing Mm -hmm. to it that's different than your own. So there's a reading, there's a reading, there's a reason why sometimes I reach out to other people to do reading for me during versus doing a reading by myself. Because I do readings for myself all the time. But they are influenced by my own perspective. And sometimes you need outside perspective to really see a situation a different way that maybe you hadn't noticed it before. And you're not going to get that if you don't give the person anything, you're just going to get your own reflection back. And you're not going to gain that useful knowledge from another person and I think the connection that comes with tarot and between reader and um audience I guess is really important
1: absolutely and over time these cards become so personal to where it's like I know in my bones what it feels like to be in a strength season versus a you know um, death season versus a moon season. And so it's like, I've had all these experiences that I then color the cards with, but what that feels like in my bones is going to be different than what it feels like in my best friends. She'll see a card and she'll say, oh, that comes up every time I feel blank. And I think, oh, interesting. That's such a, you know, new way for me to think about it or a slightly different way for me to put it. And I gain more off of that because, It's just a different person's experience with that concept or that card. Mm -hmm.
0: I also want to say, too, that every reader, every tarot reader is bringing a different interpretation to the cards, even if we're all looking at (laughs) Mm BiddyTarot.com, like to get an initial idea of them. Every reader has just such a different, unique way of reading the cards. So one person Mm -hmm. might be really visual driven, like someone might really take a lot of inspiration from the visuals that you're not going to find when you go to a website and try to search it your own. Like they might have a lot of intuition there. Personally, I'm not one of those people. I have a hard time Mm -hmm. bringing in the visuals. It's something that I'm continuing to work on as I go and something I'm really trying to grow my abilities at. But I'm a much more like, let's find that human emotion, like, um, ping, so to speak, that I'm going to mm. latch on to and kind of focus my readings around, you know, so everyone's going to approach these cards and these readings very differently. So you could have the same three cards and have it with several different readers and have a, you know, slightly different interpretation from each person. And that's going to tell you a lot about yourself based on what sticks with you and what doesn't so it's kind of like when you don't know where you want to eat and you keep at- and people are listing off ideas and it's like no that's not it no that's not it and then someone mm-hmm. finally says something and then you're like that's right that's the correct one or like when you flip a coin and you feel the gut reaction of oh that wasn't the answer I wanted so I got the clarity that I needed um
1: exactly
0: it's really those kinds of feelings
1: It's about more of connecting to your own inner knowing than it is connecting to anybody else's knowings Mm -hmm. for themselves. It's about figuring out where you are at. And so exactly like you said, it could be that you have just a really adverse reaction to a card and then that brings up, oh, I actually feel a little bit insecure about that. So while maybe that situation's not happening, maybe I'm so afraid of that situation happening that I am changing my behaviors. It's really just a way to look inward at what you a little bit already know. I find it just a great tool for figuring out what's going on subconsciously.
0: Absolutely. So I want to go into a little bit more about how do you do your own reading? Where do you even start? So I guess the first thing I would start with is how do you choose a deck? So one one kind of common belief That some people abide by and some people don't. I did mostly by accident is that your first deck that you own should be given to you and not purchased, which Mm. I don't agree with. I think it doesn't matter.
1: I don't think it matters either. Actually, my first deck that was given to me is my least favorite deck. Um, Because I didn't get to connect to it. And it's like, I would not have bought it for myself. And so I find it really, really hard to do readings with it, actually.
0: It's so funny, because my first deck is like the most mysterious origins. I literally have no idea where it came from. It just was in my house (laughs) one day. And I asked all my roommates at the time, I've had this deck for like 10 years now. I asked all my friends at the time. I was like, where did this come from? Does anyone know? No one knew. It just like smelled of incense. It was this like very 90s (laughs) deck. I think it's called the Sun and Moon Tarot. It's like incredibly 90s in its art style. And I still to this day have no idea of its origin. But sometimes it's my favorite deck for that reason. Because it has this weird mysterious energy to it. But then Uh it's also sometimes my least favorite deck. Because I really don't relate to the imagery on it. And yeah, and it feels a little strange in that way, so you know. But the way to pick a deck is really you want to pick one that speaks to you. Um, so some people recommend starting with a rider weight deck. I personally don't think that matters.
1: Yeah, I think that the most useful reason to start with the rider weight deck is that it is the deck that most resources reference. So it will talk about the imagery in the deck and a lot of courses or books or online resources. And it sort of, it was easier for me to learn because it felt like we were all looking at the same thing. And when I was beginning, I was like, I can only use Rider-Waite-Smith because that is the only way I'll remember what any of these are. And then now that I've had more practice, it's like, okay, I don't really need this as Much as I did when I was starting.
0: And I will say, I just bought, I finally bought a Rider-Waite deck for myself. I haven't even gotten it yet, it's in the mail, to use to make flashcards out of. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm going to be putting the meanings of the cards in the back of them, and then that way I can kind of reference the original, not original, but the kind of canon imagery
1: while yeah. I'm looking at
0: the meaning of the cards to kind of start understanding that. So when I'm looking at different variations of decks, I can kind of understand how they differ or how mm-hmm. they relate. And because I think that those differences really gives the flavor to the decks.
1: Totally. I think a great other beginning to choose would be The Modern Witch by Lisa Stirl because it is so related to the Rider-Waite Smith, but it is so much more diverse, inclusive, and just it's in the name modern. I feel like it is a 2022 interpretation of the same feelings that Pamela Coleman Smith was trying to get across in her illustrations so I think that is like that's the deck that I get for people who are starting because it feels super kindred to the Rider Waite Smith without feeling quite so like old and inaccessible and white if that makes sense
0: no, it does make sense because that's a huge problem with a lot of tarot decks is that they are very white they're very gendered um, as mm-hmm. times, have, times have gone on we've developed a lot of you know anyone can make a deck so there's a lot of Different variations. um mm-hmm. There's the I don't know how to say it. Is it Mar Marseille? Do you know what I'm talking Marseille? about? I Marseille. I know what you're talking
1: about. Yeah, I don't. For people don't know, who I can bet.
0: actually speak the the European languages, of Italian and <laughs> Help French, us out. that I can't. Um, I apologize, but there's that kind of deck too. That's like another very well-known, popular deck. What I hate about that one is that the suits like the cards in the in the minor arcana give you nothing they yeah are just like the four of cups is four cups like it yeah. is there's no like humanity in it in those mm-hmm. cards it comes across much more like a typical set of playing cards so if you're someone who works really from memory and and the visuals aren't as important to you then you know that might be fine but if you're someone who really wants the visuals and you're going to want to pay attention to that in any deck that you're choosing and you know make sure that it's something that speaks to you because that's really what it comes down to if you don't relate to that deck if that deck feels unappealing to you in some way then you're never going to use it and you're not going to like you're not going to like using it you want to pick something exactly. that you enjoy exactly
1: The first deck I got was super simplistic, so it would be like three of wands and the picture would be three sticks. And I was like, this doesn't help me at all. It's pretty the way that it was designed, but I think the more imagery the better, at least for me, learning because I had something to connect to and something to bounce off of. And sometimes an interpretation of a reading will just come from the picture and not from any other resource you'll just see what's going on in the picture and think oh shit I feel like that and Mm -hmm. you won't need to read anything really and so I think yeah the more imagery the better in general for beginning because there's more to connect to there's more to draw conclusions with and it doesn't feel quite so daunting of like now I need to know what three cups means when no one no visual knows that Yeah, yeah exactly
0: so, you have your question, you have your deck of cards, what do you do next? So
1: Okay. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> there's a variety of ways that people will kind of do the actual pulling of cards. Now, obviously, you're going to want to shuffle up your deck. Um, some mm-hmm. people choose to have the person getting the reading shuffle it, or have them cut the deck, by which I mean, you know, like, just literally, like, cut the deck. <laughs> um you know, they'll, there's different ways of people kind of deciding to put spiritual energy into the cards while they're preparing to pull them. Um, Mm -hmm. I think this is a really fun space to kind of make your own ritual uh, if you want to. Like, I was talking to a friend of mine this weekend about it, and I So it it was kind of silly. It started with me talking about hobbies I wanted to pick up. And I obviously talked about how tarot was a big one. And I talked about how I really wanted to get into making, like, walking sticks. And then I was like, that's kind of big. Maybe I'll just make wands. And I was like, Harry Potter doesn't have the only, like, say on wands. They existed beforehand. I can make them and not feel weird. Um, Mm -hmm. And... Someone goes, why don't you put those into your tarot readings? And I was like, oh, you're right. It's already like a lot of artifice in doing a tarot Uh reading. So like, there's no reason I couldn't have someone like tap the deck and like think of their question and like, you know, like kind of put their energy into it. There's so much ritual you can put in for either fun or for meaning Or for, like, whatever you think is going to best transfer, so to speak, someone's, like, energy into the cards. It's
1: really up to you. You can also just shuffle them and pull some cards. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that wand is such a cool idea. I use my pendulum if I'm doing a reading for myself. Because I'll drag my pendulum over and it'll say no. I'll spread all the cards out on the floor and I just kind of move it around and then it'll just start saying yes for a card. And I'm like, oop, guess that's the one, you know? And mm-hmm. it kind of becomes this whole like witchy scenario that I've set up. But if I'm just doing it with friends, I just shuffle and flip them over and it's the same experience both ways. It's just sort of a different um, experience, a different ritual, different parts of your practice are going to be more casual than when you're doing a full like journaled spread versus when you're just pulling something to figure out what's going to get you through the day because I have done that before
0: yeah exactly like when I'm doing readings on tumblr I'm not putting out this I'm not lighting candles and doing whatever but Mm -hmm. if I'm like really sitting down with myself and wanting to do a reading I might put some more ritual into it because something about that to me makes me feel like I'm more open to the ideas that I'm about to be presented with or, you know, it, it adds some mystique into it, which is just fun. Let's be real. It's terrible. Exactly. In
1: addition to getting answers, you should be having fun with it, you know. I know. I My ritual is so important to me. I have to always light a candle and then everybody get picks their own crystal. And then I especially if I'm doing it by myself, I face north. I don't know why. I'm like, that just makes me feel good. It's about what calms you down, what brings you peace, what feels like you're connecting to your spirit guides or higher power or the universe, whatever puts you in that state where you're ready to reflect and you feel special. I feel like that's when you're going to get the most out of it. Mm So now you've shuffled, you're ready to pull some cards. How many cards do you pull? Do you use a
0: spread? What even is a spread? Do you have to use one? (laughs) You know, and the answer to this, just like so many things that came before it, is it's
1: kind of up to you. (laughs) Um, Yeah.
0: I personally don't use spreads that often. I don't know about you.
1: Interesting. I, for the first year of my practice, only did three card spreads. And mostly I would do past, present, future. And I don't know why. It was just like, well, I would get, you know, I didn't know. I felt like I needed to make a decision on what I was doing or how to interpret it. And so past, present, future was the most easy for me. And then the more comfortable I got with it, the more I was like, well, I'm just going to pull some cards and see what happens now that I have a relationship to my deck or, you know, I'm not quite so needing to understand what each piece of it means. It made more sense. I felt freer i guess to yeah. do whatever i wanted with I it
0: started out using a spread that i made up which was love it just a three card spread and it was like the first card represents your current path the second mm-hmm. card represents a potential path that you could be mm. going on and the third card is what bridges the two
1: and Ooh.
0: and i still do that sometimes especially when it's like really relevant um or, and I still will use spreads occasionally when the question is just like, "Oh, this is so fitting for a past, present, future spread." Let's say that's a really mm-hmm. common one. Which, if you're getting used to tarot, there you can Google it. But there are some really common spreads, which is just like how you lay out the cards and what they mean, um, that can help you interpret the cards. So, like a past, present, future spread is you'd pull three cards. The first one represents their pa- the person's past. The second one represents their present, and the third represents their future. So you would kind of interpret those cards based on those like uh, boundaries that you put on them. Mm-hmm. So spreads are really a way of putting boundaries on the cards, which helps you inter- can help you interpret, but can also sometimes feel a little stifling when you pull it, and your intuition is saying one thing, but its place in the spread is saying something else. So yeah. I tend to just now, in terms of like, how many cards do I pull, to me, it kind of depends on the question. So really, if you don't know, three cards is usually the right amount. I'll just put, I'll just say that. If you have no idea how many cards to pull, try three. And if that doesn't feel right, go from there. But three is like the basis of a lot of the most basic spreads. And it gives you kind of more opportunity to have the the cards play with each other but there's plenty of times you might want to pull only one card or you might pull like a lot of cards so yeah
1: one of my favorite spreads to do is the celtic cross which is like 10 cards and it's very involved
0: yeah Um, i haven't tried it yet
1: you should it's like but it takes me like an hour like i really i sit with it and i journal every single card so that's a really intense um spread i guess to get into Mm. but another three card spread that i do that's less, I guess, thinking about past and future and those kind of predictive things we were talking about earlier is mind, body, soul. I think that's a really nice one. Mm -hmm. Um, I really love spreads, especially for when I'm trying to make a decision. I'll like pull a card for option A, pull a card for option B. And if I don't understand them, I'll add extra cards to them and kind of have two different spreads going. And it just helps me reflect on choices. And I even, I make new spreads for every new moon and full moon. And I put them on my Instagram and I base it on the astrology that's going on because I just Mm -hmm. get really nerdy about that stuff. I love that. So if like Mercury is conjunct the sun and it's opposite a full moon, I'm like, okay, what message is trying to come through? What's being revealed Mm -hmm. versus, you know, if... Venus is trining Jupiter. I'm like, what's super sweet in my life right now? Or if Saturn is squaring Uranus, I'm like, what is some fucking shit I got to deal with? Like, I just, I really try to personalize them. So that's something I do on my Instagram. But yeah, yeah, I love that you are like really free with not needing to confine them. I'm kind of a, I like confinement. I that makes me more comfortable or like it helps me reflect on it more but I think everybody's different
0: yeah and it's not to say I never use spreads and like sometimes I use like a kind of like not quite like a really official spread but I'll be like okay I'm gonna pull three cards and I'll say to myself like this first one is gonna be about let's say it's a love reading but this is really common mm-hmm. so I'll be like okay the first card is gonna represent their lover the second card is gonna represent them and the third card is gonna represent you know, their relationship or advice, mm-hmm. you know? So like I'll use some basic spreads like that, but I I frequently will just pull cards and then kind of decide based on that what I think it's trying to say, which can be totally. challenging. It's more challenging to do it that way the less you know about the person.
1: Mm-hmm. Like yeah, if, definitely.
0: If I'm doing a card for a complete stranger, it's easier for me to use a spread and have some kind of guidance than if I'm reading it for a friend who I know really well, who I can pull a card and go, oh, it's the Knight of Cups. Like, I know that my friend is having, like, is very emotional right now. Like, so I can read this mm-hmm. better than if I had no idea, you know?
1: So Right, exactly.
0: It It will kind of depend. And I really would just say, if you're new to it, try some spreads. It's going to be the easiest way to learn. It's going to be the kind of easiest stepping stone, but don't feel afraid to step away from them. And also, let's say you decided initially, I'm going to pull three cards, and then you don't feel like you have total clarity. Don't feel like you can't pull another card. Like you can pull uh-huh. a card for clarity, and not only can you, but you probably should.
1: <laughs> you should. I've been so, there's so many times that I've been doing a reading and thought, huh? Huh? And then I pulled another card. I was like, what does this mean? And then when I pulled the other card, it was the combination of the two that gave me the answer. Yes. If that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. Rather
1: than the card by itself. Because I'll get the high priestess about a situation. And I'm like, I do not feel high Priestessy. And then I get the moon with it. And I'm like, oh, wait, I see the through line here. And the through line is not understanding or mystery or like some big grand thing behind a veil and that is actually what I needed to feel rather than I guess high priestess energy or
0: like a lot of times what I'll do is I might pull a few cards for a situation and I'll kind of say like here's what's going you know here's what I'm finding is going on in the situation here are the emotions at play here are the thoughts that might be happening And then I'll get the person's reaction to it, and then there'll be, like, Mm -hmm. something in their reaction that they're focused on that I maybe hadn't touched on that much, and then I'll pull another card for that focus. So, like, it might be, let's say, um, can you think, just can you think of any tarot question for me?
1: Um, oh my gosh. Why is this, like, when someone's like, be funny, make a joke, I'm like, I've never made a joke in my life. Uh, no, I'm like, I've never asked a tear question in my life. Um, Just kind of like, what can I expect out of this situation? I feel like is a general, you know, okay. like, what is, am I going to get this job?
0: Yeah, let's, let's say, say yeah. yeah, let's say it's a job. So let's say, you know, you do the reading and you're like, oh, I see that, you know, you might be having a lot of insecurity around this and you know blah 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 and then they might come back and be like oh yeah I, I'm feeling really insecure because of my coworker so so-and-so and you know and our relationship has really been affecting me and I don't know how mm-hmm. they're feeling about it but and then you might want to pull another card for clarity on that relationship And how that's impacting Mm -hmm. things. You know, just for example. So don't feel afraid. Like, if you feel like you pulled the wrong amount of cards, don't feel like you can't pull more for clarity. You know, it really is up to you and your intuition. And I think that the more you practice it, the more you're going to kind of get an intuition of how many cards to pull. And the more complicated the question Sometimes me is pulling more cards, but sometimes you pull the first card and you're like, that's it. I yeah. don't need anything more. Like,
1: <laughs> Exactly.
0: Yeah, I, I will say it when I'm doing live readings with someone, like where I'm actually like in front of them doing them, I prefer to do one card at a time and then I just stop when it feels satisfactory. Like, Done.
1: <laughs>
0: it's just yeah. like, you know, I'll just keep going until it feels like we hit the points that we needed to 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 answer their question it's really up to you but um i would definitely recommend starting off with some simple three card spreads when you're when you're beginning
1: yeah because if you're ever not knowing what to pull three cards is just it's like a great a perfect number for a simple reading that isn't too little and isn't too much
0: yeah most things can be done with three cards (laughs) (laughs) or at least give you a good idea Uh, so now you pulled your cards what the hell do they mean
1: <laughs> As we've mentioned, Google is very much your friend <laughs> when you're beginning. Yes. Yeah, but also taking everything with a grain of salt because different websites are going to say different things and one website could say four different things and only one of those is going to connect with you. Yeah. Um so definitely it's not bad to pick and choose, I guess, when you're reading the meanings. I feel no. like with other spiritual practices, it's very much like this is the sacred text and you do not deviate from it and tarot is just so not that way it's so personal it's so interactive so if this meaning of five of Pentacles is not at all reflective of your current situation there might be another person's meaning that's more internally centered or more spiritually centered that makes a lot more sense to you
0: and so real quick i want to mention so there's we've mentioned it in this episode but in case you're brand new to tarot When you pull a card, if it is face up, like the top is at the top, the bottom's at the bottom, we refer to that as upright. If it's upside down, we refer to that as reversed. Now, most people, I I believe most people, recognize two different meanings, or mean probably like 17 different meanings, but, you know, recognize that the upright version and the reverse version have kind of different meanings that are the same, two sides of the same coin, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Some people choose to ignore the, if it's reversed or upright. I personally am someone who does take stock in the upright versus reversed. Um, But they're kind of like one is a shadow of the other. So when you're trying Mm -hmm. to memorize the meanings, if you're trying to memorize them, they're related to each other, but they are like different aspects of the same idea, typically. Yeah. And then I wanted to touch too on what you were saying about the fluidity of the meanings. So that's where it comes in too. Each deck is different. So depending yes. on the deck that you choose, that artist or that creator might have put a lot of effort into changing certain aspects of it from like the rider weight that will cause you to interpret it differently. Like, for example, uh, the star. I use a, I use a deck called um, Cosmic Slumber a lot. I don't know if you've ever seen that one, but it's by uh, Tilly Walden, who's one of my favorite comic creators. And that deck in the star, the person in the picture is smiling and it's fascinating because the star is one that is usually has to do with like fears and anxieties and like finding your way in the night, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the smiling aspect of it, though, can lead me to make a very different interpretation of it. Like it has much more hope, I think. It's, it's focused more on the hope aspect of the card than it is on the anxiety aspect of the card. So when I'm reading that, you know, you could go based on the just general definition and just go, okay, you're feeling scared and anxious, but you have uh, something is making you feel like you kind of are finally finding your way. Um, but that smiling version versus one that maybe is more despondent or one that's darker or one that is emptier, you know, you might cause you to have a different sway on it. And I think that's okay. And that you should be able to kind of use your intuition and use the cards, use the uniqueness of the deck and, and then look at the original meanings and kind of make a decision on what makes the most sense. Cause some people just look at the images really and just go, off of that. And some people really go with the rote memorization of the meanings. And I think that the happy medium is, you know, somewhere in between those two. But
1: totally, I think it's so funny, because for some decks cards that are normally seen as kind of negative, like I know in that deck, it actually means something positive because of the imagery the imagery will be super bright and happily colored. And I'm thinking, this is the three of swords. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh my you gosh. know, like, why is this a happy scenario right now? But it, it just means something different for tending to yourself emotionally. And it's not necessarily about true heartbreak in that deck because there's nothing in the imagery about it that is reflecting heartbreak. To me, it's more reflecting being centered or taking stock of your emotions or things like that. So just so many interesting differences between decks. I think that it can be a little overwhelming, which is why maybe one of the more classic decks are easier to start with, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and I don't disagree with you there because I do think that when you are new to it and you're looking at one where it's like, this looks very different than the original meaning, Mm -hmm. it can be harder to reconcile that. Whereas when you get more practice and realize the breadth of each card's capabilities it starts to become clearer to you um but while you're mm-hmm. while you're learning I mean you can buy a tarot book um a lot of decks of cards will come with its own guidebook so you could just use those um, if you're going online uh, Biddy tarot which we've already mentioned that's a really great one the tarot um I don't know how to say this one but like labby Lab-
1: Labyrinthos. R-
0: Labyrinthos. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that makes the most sense. Labyrinthos. That one's really nice too because it, at the very top has the upright and reverse and you can skip to the reverse meaning, which is convenient. Yeah. But those are three websites that I use a lot. When you're beginning, what I recommend doing is don't just read one of the meaning, like one website, read a few different ones and kind of figure out what themes or things are standing out to you and what ones are not resonating with you as much. And that'll kind of help you develop your own ideas and interpretations of the cards. Whereas if you just look at one website, I mean, you're basically going to just become that version of it. And I think getting your own nuance into there is important. And the more sources you're using for that, the kind of easier that is.
1: Definitely. There's one book that I really love as well. It's by Jessica Dorr. I think it's called Tarot for Self-Care or something. I'm probably getting the title wrong, but her name is Jessica Dorr, and she's a licensed social worker, and she views the suits in a really cool way where... It's mo- more connected to CBT, if you know what that is, cognitive oh, yeah. behavioral therapy. I know you know, but <laughs> yeah, for the audience,
0: yeah, for the audience, we're not talking about uh, any other meaning of the phrase CBT. You're
1: right. <laughs> and she refers to, you know, pinnacles as behaviors and swords as thoughts and cups as feelings and wands as overarching energy or consequences. And I find that so fascinating and such a cool way and psychologically centered and social work grounded way to view the suits. And so there's so many different people who you might resonate with how they think about it more than you resonate with how another person thinks about it just based on your backgrounds, if you feel more logically minded or more spiritually minded or if they're the same spiritual practices you or if they're the same career as you if you're talking about social work or psychology or things like that like finding someone that you can relate to I have found is easier for learning the meanings up front because I'm like I get what you're speaking I get what you're saying Mm -hmm. it's just easier for me to put it into my own contexts
0: absolutely well, thank you so much for coming on and helping uh, to teach a bit about tarot and help fill in some of my blanks too because I really appreciate that. Uh, can you tell people where they can find you on the internet?
1: Yeah, so mainly probably find me at phases journal one word, on Instagram. I sell a journal for journaling through the moon phases, so it will give you different prompts every new moon, waxing crescent, full moon, all throughout and I have worked really hard to make it a really good product. It involves some of the astrology of the new moons and full moons as well. Um and so that's for the 2023 calendar year at Phases Journal on Instagram. And I'm really nowhere else professionally. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at Sam's a Planet, but I have like 160 followers and I tweet like once every three weeks so it's not entirely worth it (laughs) Uh, so mainly head to Instagram and check out that journal
0: amazing and you can find me on Twitter at EPSILINA you if you want to commission a reading from me you can do so on uh I never know how to say this website is it supposed to be coffee or (laughs) ko-fi
1: you know I I have no idea either
0: (laughs) because I'm just gonna embarrass myself every episode and say it both ways but ko-fi.com slash Epsilina, um, I sell uh, detailed readings for just like $10 on there if you want like a five plus card reading. And I uh, try to give a lot of details, so. Or I am currently, at least at the time of recording this episode, I will do a one to three card tarot reading for free. You can hit me up on Tumblr at timebeingtarot or you can hit me up on Twitter at Again, Epsilina, E-P-S-I-L-I-N-A. So we will be starting next week, starting our deep dive into the Major Arcana with The Fool. So join us then. If you have any questions or thoughts, please hit us up on Twitter.
2: 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42.
1: Andrew, Andrew, what are you doing?
2: Oh, hey, Marn. Uh, So I'm playing through an alternate reality game and there's a number station puzzle that we just can't solve. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I tried everything else and I figured that the best way to solve it would be to get into its head and think like a number station. I've been saying numbers into microphones for hours.
1: Okay. Well, I, I think I have a better idea. What's that? You could just listen to the Argonauts podcast every two weeks. I can let you know the ins and outs of old Args and give you a deep dive on how they were created.
2: Uh, do you think we could like have a nuanced discussion about game making philosophy and how cultures around games have changed as well?
1: Yeah. And you can definitely continue to fail to solve old Args along the way.
2: Well, it sure would be cool if that was a podcast you could find bung with a bunch of other great shows over on the Moonshot Network. You know, it sure would. <laughs> well, cool. Thanks for the invite. Uh anyways, I'm going to get back to this though. 23 19
0: Okay.